It is Monday, January 2nd. I'm Scott Seiden. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Playoff scenarios as we conclude week 17 of the NFL tonight. And we take our first look at the national championship game. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. Happy New Year, happy 2023, straight out of Vegas AM. We are your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your year. Pittsburgh Steelers remain alive, getting a win on Sunday night football. The New York Giants clinch a playoff spot, as do the Tampa Bay Bucks. And Jets, Commanders, Saints, Panthers see their season end. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? Eliminated. <laughs> Eliminated. Uh, there's so much to get into, AJ. First off, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, my friend. How was your New Year's Eve? Was it a New Year's rockin' Eve like Ryan Seacrest? I was not that rockin'. No, <laughs> I avoided going down to Las Vegas proper. Uh, I went actually the opposite way. I went. They, they said there were 400,000 people on the strip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No. I went to Boulder City, okay, which yep. is basically... For those of you who have never been in the Vegas area, Boulder City is like the movie Cars, the town of Radiator Springs. It's like a, a town that's trapped in time, and I love it. And it's, it, it's, it, a, it's on the way to the Hoover Dam. Yeah. It's you know very close to Arizona. It's but... the town that built the Hoover Dam. Yes, it is the town. That... <laughs> and what they have there is a beer bar that had maybe 20 people in it. And oh, nice. that's where I rang in the new. That's where I watched the uh, the semifinal, uh, the Georgia Ohio State game. I've only been there once. I haven't. I've been meaning to go back, but there's a good barbecue joint there. I heard Foxes. That's what I heard. Not bad. There's got a it. good burger spot too called the Dillinger. All recommended. Right. I, I gotta go, but I did hear someone recommended the barbecue spot. All right. So and and I'm never one to pass up a good barbecue. <laughs> um, I I went to a party and in typical me fashion, twelve oh one. Rolled Bye, out. everybody. <laughs> rolled out. Yeah, uh, we rolled out. That's the thing about a small town. If you roll out at 12.01, yeah. you're probably getting pulled over. Ah, uh, yeah. If you, you roll, wait a little bit. If you roll out at 12.20, <laughs> the, first, the, first ro- the first wave is already pulled over, so you just roll right through. Uh, not, not that I was drinking and driving. I, was, I wasn't the designated driver. No, but you but, don't want to get caught in that situation, and then it's, it's a whole hassle exactly. and whatnot. All right, well, let's talk about the Vegas lead, which is going to be this entire week 17 of the NFL because playoff scenarios, we'll go over what's going to be on the line in week 18. We're going to go over what happened here in week 17. 17. Let's start with Sunday Night Football. Classic AFC North rivalry. Steelers and the Ravens pretty much ended exactly how you thought this game was going to play out. You knew it was going to be physical. You knew it was going to be somewhat low scoring. And you knew it was going to come down to a field goal. Now the Steelers got the touchdown. They took the lead late in the game. And the Ravens never got an opportunity to get Justin Tucker I, on the field to tie the game. I thought you were going to say you knew it would come down to Tyler Huntley throwing an interception that was nowhere near anyone on his team. Yeah. And then putting his hands up like he can't believe what just happened here. Like, oh, you, uh, the receiver ran the wrong route. You know that. <laughs> oh, of course yeah. he did. Of course he did. Yeah, this was a uh, – obviously it was a massive game for the Steelers who kept their playoff hopes alive. And still, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. They're, they've got one game left to keep that intact. Steelers now 
eight and eight. Need a little help to get into the playoffs. Sure. But this was the game. Like Najee Harris, let's face it, has been a massive disappointment for mm-hmm. the Steelers. This Najee Harris that we saw last night, that Najee Harris is the real deal. Yeah. And you talk about coming up in the in these games, and credit to J.K. Dobbins, who had a similar game. In these games that you know are going to be ultra physical, just guys are going to be in the the cold tub, the hot tub, the massaged everywhere after the game. These guys laid it all on the line. Huge game for Najee Harris. 22 carries, 111 yards. Kept the pe- the pressure off Kenny Pickett, although Kenny Pickett made a huge throw he at the Made the, the play end. of the game. Yeah, to Najee Harris. And I, I thought Collinsworth said something accurate on, on the broadcast. He was like, if that was Patrick Mahomes, well, he said we're putting that throw in the Hall of Fame. Like, I, I'm not going that far. But he's right in, in one aspect. If Patrick Mahomes made that play, it's top Play on Sports Center. Yeah. And it's the highlight that is going all over Twitter about how great Patrick Mahomes is. Kenny Pickett made a ridiculous play on the game winning drive and threw a dart right past Roquan Smith to Najee Harris. Just an incredible effort by Kenny Pickett, who I think is he's not he's not blowing you away as a no. rookie quarterback. But he is showing you enough signs that the Steelers can be confident that they drafted the right guy. For now. I know it's only year one, but they have to be happy with their selection right now. Yeah, I think there's no doubt they're happy with what they got. And at least they're happy with the progress that he's made this season. Here's what I want to ask you. There was a play in the fourth quarter uh, about eight, eight and a half minutes left. Mm Mm-hmm where the the Steelers got to 4th and 12 at the Pittsburgh 42. They chose to punt the ball away, yeah. leading 13-9. Mm-hmm. I said at the time, boy, I don't like that. I've got the one guy who can probably make that kick. I'm going to let him try to make that kick. Instead, they punt, and, you know, who knows? I, I, all I know is in hindsight, it sure be nice to have those three points on the board at the end of the day. Do you think the Ravens made a mistake by not letting Justin Justin Tucker take a shot there? 42-52. So we're talking about a 59-yarder, right? We're talking about a 60-yarder. About a 60-yard field goal. And I'm not I don't recall which side of the field it was on, but you know that uh there was difficulty I guess going in one direction tonight. The so. announced team said it's too cold. Uh, I don't know. Too cold? It's just one of those moments. Listen, would it have been a a risk? Sure. And your defense was playing well at that point. At that point, the Steelers weren't really driving the football down the field. They had only gotten field goals. They never gotten the the end zone. I think the furthest they had got down the field was, I don't know, the 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 fifteen yard line at, at one point before they kicked their final field goal. So. You're trusting your defense to come up with a stop there, and they did. Yeah, you know they they came up with a, a stop and they got the football back, so it actually worked out for them. Well, the Ravens, uh, in an interesting scenario next weekend, they their game might matter, might not matter, depending on what the Bengals and Bills do tonight mm-hmm. on Monday Night Football. If the Bengals lose tonight. That game between the Ravens and the Bengals becomes the de facto AFC North championship game. Yes. And it's very, very important. Yes. If the Bengals win tonight. The Bengals clinch the division and the Ravens are, I guess, 
they're fighting. No, because they can't because the, the, the Chargers have the tiebreaker. Yeah. So they're locked into the six seed. Yeah. I guess could they – no, they can't even fall into the seven. No, you can't fall out. In, yeah, they would be locked in. Seed. So it's a an interesting scenario. The Ravens obviously going to be watching closely, hoping yeah. to see the Bengals fall tonight and give themselves a shot at a home game. For the Steelers, we mentioned they need some help. Yeah, but, let, but it starts with yeah, just starts with winning the game. with winning next week we'll against go over the Browns. All the scenarios coming up in a few minutes. We'll go over everything that has to happen in Week 18 for teams to make the playoffs. We'll do our best Steve Kornacki impression. <laughs> if you watched a Sunday Night Football last night, let's run through the rest of this Sunday Week 17, and I guess we can start with a meaningless game and spend 30 seconds on it. Falcons beat the Cardinals 2019. Cardinals covered, AJ. Cardinals did cover, thankfully. I, it was uh, on our podcast. That was a, a a heavily weighted play for me. Yeah. And I think the day after we did the podcast, they said, uh-oh, Colt McCoy showing some more concussion signs. <laughs> David Blau is going to play quarterback. I said, blah. More like <laughs> David Blah, am I right? Luckily, the Cardinals do the right thing. And kick the late field goal to cover. That's the way it should be. 2019, the Falcons beat the Cardinals. Let's move on to the Bears and the Lions, where Detroit was one of my weighted plays on the podcast. And they did not disappoint. Uh, I also gave out on on pregame.com over three and a half touchdowns for the Lions. And in hindsight, I feel like I should have you know, called Fez and said, hey, what can we get down on this? Because can I, can I, can I borrow... A Mercedes. Yeah, we. Uh, I'll, I'll hawk <laughs> it and let's just put it down on on the Lions over three and a half touchdowns, because my handicap was this is a Detroit team that has scored 32, 33 points per game at home this year. Yeah, this is a Bears team that has allowed about thirty five points per game during their eight game losing streak, and Jared Goff. Threw for three touchdowns. Jamal Williams ran for a touchdown. DeAndre Swift ran for a touchdown. This was a route. I never felt the Bears were going to be close in this game. That being said, we were wrong about Justin Fields not running. Last week, he didn't run at all against Buffalo. This week, he looked like he had his eye set on the record. Yeah, this was a definitely a legs game. His season, or no, is the third highest total on the ground this season. I think it had to be. This was one of his worst games throwing the ball all year. And it kind of begs the question when a guy's, you know, the guy's going 7 of 21, 33% completion rate, 18.8 QBR. Like, this is a guy who's had games this year where he had a 5.5 QBR, 15.5. But... He also put up a 95-6 against Miami. He put up a 92 against the Packers. What's the thought process with Justin Fields? Is it just as simple as we go another year, we let him progress, and then we see where we are at the end of that year? Because right now, there's some really positive things about Justin Fields, but there's some things, the way he threw the football today, make you go, how can you win games like this? Uh and and what Matt Eberflus said that he you know he kept him in for experience and things like that and sure I don't know what the future holds for Justin Fields I don't know if he can keep this up but this you know what he does on the ground is something that no one's ever done before yeah 
I mean, he now he has the record. He is he's beaten, right? He's he's passed Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson had twelve hundred and six, and he came into this game with one thousand and eleven. So I guess no. Now he's at one. What is he at? Eleven? What now? So he, if he had one thousand eleven, now he's at eleven forty three. Okay, so. He doesn't need that many to break Lamar's next week. I would look at Justin Fields rushing over prop next week. Here is what the the Bears, who, by the way, the Bears now uh, are locked into at least the two seed or the the two the second pick. Yeah. The, the Texans and Bears are the first two picks in the draft in some order. The Bears need so much. Not that the Texans don't, but the Texans are going to be drafting a franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. The thought is going to be, well, take Will Anderson. Take whoever you think the best defensive player is. Just take him. And the Bears need a lot of help on defense. Their defense stinks. If I'm the Bears, I think I trade down. Try to trade down. Stay in the top 10, but get multiple picks where you can start to pile up some bodies in there because Hmm. one guy on that defense isn't going to make enough of a difference. You You need some playmakers on offense as well. It's hard to know what you've got with Justin Fields yeah. when he's got the receivers that he's got on the field. But I don't know if there are that those playmakers. Where are you going to get them? This is not uh, – we know the quarterbacks at the top of the draft, right? We know the defensive players at the top of the draft. The Bears don't need B. John Robinson. No. The Bears have a tremendous running game. Where's the playmaker that you're going to get on offense? Is it – you know, Quentin Johnston from TCU, is he the best receiver that's that's that that's gonna be available? Jackson Smith and Jigba? Is he is he a guy that you're gonna take early in the first round? Like how low I guess can the can the Bears go if they have their eyes set on playmakers? I mean Jordan Addison is another option as well, I would think. I guess my thought is not not that they have to trade down to take a receiver with the their first pick. You could still go defense with your first pick. Yeah, and I'm just saying stockpile enough picks where you can you have some that you can spend on both those things. It's so interesting because like they traded away two of their best defensive pieces I know. this year, and it's like I guess you can you know, replenish it in the draft and 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 move on for the next couple of years. But the Bears are an interesting team, but they stink. That's all that matters. They <laughs> that's stink. A, that's a nice way to put it. Let's go Chiefs Broncos. Where we ask? Can we just say the obvious thing? What? The fire in the coach? And, well, no. Uh, <laughs> the Chiefs The Chiefs are getting a hall pass. Like, everyone's still acting like the Chiefs are this dominant monster team. Yeah. And they're just not. It, it's They're getting by. They're getting by. Uh, with the exception of last week where they, they, blew out, they ended up blowing out the Seahawks. But they almost lost to the Broncos yesterday. They almost lost to the Texans. I mean, losing to the Texans would have been the ultimate. What? <laughs> Uh, they, happened to the Chargers last year. They almost lost to the Broncos. They did end up losing to the Bengals, a late comeback. Uh, you know, they almost lost to the Chargers a couple times. They almost lost to the Titans. The Chargers or the, the the Chiefs aren't running away from teams. Yet we're still acting like nothing's wrong. They've got Patrick <laughs> Mahomes and Andy Reid. They're perfectly fine. But when you think about these other, the Bills are a great example. They're winning games. We're like, uh, uh-uh. uh. You see the you see the flaws. You see the flaws. I don't understand it. The Chiefs have flaws. The Chiefs are a fl- the if if you in two games, two games, give up fifty two points to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, there's some concerns about your defense, friends, and the fact that they won those two games by a combined nine points. Th- th- this team is not flawless. This is a team that has some work to do. So playoffs 
come around. The Chiefs are not – oh, the Chiefs, let's say they finish. They are the one seed. Okay. okay. We're going to give them the one seed. Right? Because I, I don't see them losing to the Raiders their final week. Although maybe they can. They're the one seed. They're at home to the Chargers or the Jags. Or the Jags. Are you taking Chargers or Jags? How many am I getting? You're getting at least a field goal. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm getting. I, I think that's what I'm getting for home field in the playoffs. Yeah. I, mean, right? yeah, so it's, it, you're, I think with the Jags, you might get a touchdown. Uh, what was we, – I, we, I guess we can look it up. What was the line when the Chargers went and, and played? I think the Chargers would be a problem for the Chiefs right now. Chargers were four-point dogs in week two. Okay. And – And then in – and then well, at L.A., Kansas City was five and a half. Yeah. And then when they played the ba- the Jaguars in Kansas City this year were nine-and-a-half-point dogs. Oh, I wish I'd get that. That's not going to You're happen. not going to get that in the playoffs. But I think you but could think maybe from, get a touchdown. From everything you're – it sounds like you are betting against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think I would be. Yeah, I think I would be. I, I, I would have great concern about this team. I, I don't think this, think this team's just going to run roughshod over everybody. Although, Andy Reid with extra rest is mm-hmm. a monster. And, so, and it – it just seems like the Chiefs play up and down to their competition. And playoff mode could be engaged, and you could see playoff Mahomes, yeah, but playoff Chiefs. There's a team that, that plays up and down to its level of competition. No, you don't do, like they, that. do they lose to the Bills? Do they lose to the Bengals? I mean, the, yeah, the, two, the other two best teams in the conference? I don't know if that's the case. That's It's a good point. And I'm curious to see what those lines are because <clears throat> you, you have to imagine – Public backs the Chiefs. A lot of the sharp community will be backing the Jaguars or the or the Chargers. And if the if the Chiefs end up being the three seed, oh, that's not happening. They're not. They're gonna. They're not gonna lose to the Raiders. Well, let's go to that game next. <laughs> Remember, the Chiefs almost lost to the Broncos today. The Raiders almost beat the 49ers. But this was the game, though. Raiders got up for this. Why? Because what were they playing for? Pride. Everyone thought that the mm. season, everyone everyone felt that by benching Derek Carr, you wrote you can write this team off. And I think Josh McDaniels did a good job of galvanizing his team and getting them ready to play against a team that you know almost took over their building. They really did. Yeah, and I feel like when that happens, teams play with a little bit more pride. And I, I understand. Okay, it's a division rivalry with the Kansas City Chiefs. But at this point, after you, you know, suffered this tough, physical, emotional loss to the San Francisco 49ers, I don't know if I see them getting back up to now upset the Kansas City Chiefs. If they can score I think if anything, 34 points on the it's, Niners. It's playing for contract incentives and stuff like that in Week 18. Remember, the Chiefs beat the Raiders in Week 5. 30 to 29 mm. by one friggin' point. Yeah. Now we get Jared Stidham, who looked good. He did look, and he looked good against the 49ers. Would you rather play the 49ers defense or the Chiefs, defense? Play the Chiefs defense? I mean, Jared Stidham's got to be licking his chops right now. He's about to get paid. Mm, Devontae Adams. I, we have to look. Oh, to see. boy. I can't wait to go through all the contract stuff this week because I want to know if Devontae Adams. Who's got incentives? Who's Who's got what? Because, you know, he's sitting here now. He's got, what, 1,290 yards? Um, 
So very curious to see what he uh, ends up with so this year. Did you walk away from the San Francisco game with no concerns for San Francisco? You think this was just a great Raiders, like a great spot for them? I think the Raiders got up for this. Uh, I, I think that you can look at San Francisco and you could certainly take away negatives just because of defensive inefficiencies. Some of the plays they gave up are a little bit concerning, right? You have to also give credit. Devontae Adams is a monster, and he made some really good catches in this game. But look at the good that San Francisco did. Look at Brock Purdy, you know, answering the bell every single time. Christian McCaffrey with big-time runs. Brandon Ayuk had an incredible game. When Debo Samuel steps back on the field for this team, it's just another weapon for them. You know, the, the surprising thing, George Kittle wasn't, you know, you know, he had the touchdown, but he didn't have a monster game here against the Raiders. He's been really big for Brock Purdy over the last couple of weeks. D- these games are going to happen. I, I think I, I'm not concerned at all with the 49ers. 500 yards of offense for the Raiders in this game. 7.6 yards per play. Look, Huge sometimes for the, for the 49ers, sometimes you're going to have to win ugly games. Yeah. This was an ugly game. And we still, I, I think we still have to remember. This is a third string quarterback, a third string yes. rookie. So maybe I'm being a little too harsh because I've set the I've set my expectations for the 49ers pretty high. But this was a you're right. I think the Raiders really got up for this. I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders have another effort like this up in them. They I, get up again. I think they could. Uh, we'll see. Because otherwise you you went 0 and 2 without Derek Carr. Yeah. So what's that mean? Yeah, I mean, but if Stidham throws three hundred something yards again, how many games have the Raiders almost won with Derek Carr? Yeah, almost winning isn't the goal, or Derek Carr would still be doing it. Well, they almost—he's really good at almost winning. So is Jared Stidham, apparently. <laughs> Maybe the Raiders are just really good at almost winning. Maybe that's the case. Uh, one team that didn't almost win today, the Houston Texans. Boy, every sharp in their mama thought. Oh, the Texans are the side. Well, because everyone thought that the Jaguars were going to bench everyone at some point in this game, which they wound up doing, but it wasn't until they had a very comfortable lead. It was 21-0 to zero less than five minutes into the second quarter. That's, that, I mean, yeah. the game was over at that point. Well, we talked about this on the pod, and for everybody that says, oh, well— the, the the Jaguars were going to bench Trevor Lawrence, they're going to bench Travis Etienne, then they're not going to play hard because this is a meaningless game for them. The, the, the opposite side of that was that if the Texans won this game, they would lose out on the number one pick. Yeah, Texans that, were motivated. And that's more important, so... This was and, and this is just a historically bad team. I don't know how I don't know how anybody sharp or not sharp sharp. How could you even consider betting on the Houston Texans? The oh, but the last two weeks they fought hard. Yeah, great. I think it's actually like the last three or four weeks they fought hard. Yeah, and this to, week and, they did not. And they got come, it out of their system. Exactly, and to come <laughs> up empty. All right, the, uh, Davis Mills, his QBR for the game, eight point eight. Is that good? Not good, but better than Jeff Driscoll's QBR for this game. 0. Oh. 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5. Ouch. Ugh. Ouch. Yeah, so not a well quarterback game. Uh, as it, it looks like the four guys that played quarterback in this game combined had a QBR of about 45. Yeah, it uh, sucks. Not a great day uh, for, for quarterbacking. But Travis Etienne had a day, 108 yards on nine carries, 12 yards per, had a touchdown. Uh, the Jags had two other rushing touchdowns. Just to, They had their way in this game. This was, this was blowout city. 
Uh, and the Texans were they, – they looked like a team that was trying to get the number one pick in the draft. Yep, and they will. Congratulations, Bryce Young. You're going to Houston. Tom Brady and the Bucks win the NFC South with a win over the Carolina Panthers, 30-24 in come-from-behind fashion in what might be Brady's best game of the season? Oh, I, I think without question. 432 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like they— Maybe maybe cover Mike Evans. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's almost like— <laughs> It's almost like they they sat there on the sidelines. They had those, you know, surface tablets there. Mm -hmm. And Brady was like, hey, um, they're not covering Mike Evans. We can just throw it. It's single coverage. We can just throw it deep to Evans every time, and he's going to catch it. And they did. They did. Three times. (laughs) You know, Sam Darnold actually had a decent game. Yeah. Made a bonehead play at a bad time. But Sam Darnold really w- was looking good for a good portion of this game. He throws for 341 yards and three touchdowns himself. The difference is that interception that cost him the game and cost him a playoff spot. And, I, I, and I may was, have cost Steve Wilkes a job. Yeah, I was really surprised that they abandoned the running game. This has been the bread and butter for the Carolina Panthers is running the football. I think once Darnold has started having some success, oh, they, they said, yeah, you they know, were like, oh, we can pass all over this team. We're just going to – like, that's the thing. They went into this game with a game plan. They executed that game plan, and they saw themselves go, you know, have a lead for the mo- the, the, the bulk of this game. And Darnold played well. Uh, uh, but, I, I mean, why? Why why only 13 carries for Foreman? Why only three carries for Chuba Hubbard? You – were you've been running all over everybody the past couple of weeks. Why did you abandon the run? Especially in a game where early in the game they had a lead and a lead that you you could have seen them maybe trying to sit on a little bit. You know, this was in in the third quarter they had a 14-10 lead. They they were uh they, no they had a 21-10 lead yeah. in the fourth quarter. They could have sat on the ball but instead they just said, "You know what? Let's let Mike Evans catch a couple more of these things. Uh, let's just go home for you. But when it's all said and done, Panthers one and six on the road this year. It's hard to make the playoffs if you can't win on the road. I mean, it's just it's almost impossible. So yeah. and, to, to win just one road game, this I mean, listen, this wasn't a playoff caliber team anyway. Yeah, well, give them credit for what they accomplished. You have they, to. This, the, the season was over several weeks ago, and and you know, like like. Fez was saying, you bet against them because they they traded away McCaffrey uh, down to a third-string quarterback, and just they're not even going to show up the rest of the year. Yeah, They showed up. They They played hard. Everybody played hard. And by the way, I'm not sure if Tampa's a a playoff-caliber football team either. No, Tampa still stinks. (laughs) Uh, Mike Evans, pretty good. Mike Evans is really good, yeah. But the Tampa Bay Bucks in general, you you know what's going to happen. I mean, Tampa's going to go to the NFC Championship game. (laughs) It's It's ridiculous. They get a home game. Let's go to the uh, Browns and the Commanders. I mean, uh, it, it wasn't meaningless for the Commanders. No, but although it, Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera, didn't, Ron Rivera know. didn't know. Yeah, he didn't know that his team could be eliminated yesterday, and they were eliminated yesterday. Browns win twenty four ten to Sean Watson, three touchdown passes in his best performance as a Cleveland Brown so far this season. Yeah, it was his best performance. He, he still didn't look right to me. No. Um, but Carson he, Wentz he looked way better than Carson yeah. Wentz. And that's what, you know, that, that was sort of the, the upside downside of going to Carson Wentz in this game. You knew Carson Wentz gave you the opportunity for big plays, mm-hmm. 
but he also gives you the risk of turning the ball over, which is something Heineke didn't really do. It was It's a risk-reward play. They risked it. They lost. Uh, Carson Wentz, three interceptions in this game. Yeah, the, fan, the fans chanting for Heineke. Uh, it, it did not work. Although, listen, they, they had a halftime lead in this game. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the defense played well enough to win for the most part, but you can only overcome so much. And uh, the, the commanders elimin- eliminated. Eliminated. Well, let's stay in the NFC East, and we'll talk about the Giants, who clinched a playoff berth with a 38-10 route of the Colts. And, man, the Colts just are awful. And, and, and Nick Foles, he, yes, he got really hurt in this game by Kayvon Thibodeau, who's probably still doing snow angels celebrating. Yeah, I— there was a lot of people upset with Kayvon Thibodeau. <coughs> I was upset with it. And and and, and Snow Angels and then on the side like yeah, the, doing the, the doing night the go to sleep yeah, yeah. while the medical staff is surrounded. It's like, ooh, so, that's so, a bad look, bro. My first reaction, and I tweeted this out, I, I wasn't I wasn't upset with Kayvon Thibodeau. I thought it was a bad look for him, but I thought like how did none of his teammates like pick him up? Like, just say, hey, dude, 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 like, tap him. Like, come on, like, get up, get up, get up. Like, the guy's really hurt. Like, Nick Foles was convulsing yeah. in pain. Like, it looked bad. And Kayvon Thibodeau, who he could not be stopped in this game. Boy, that is looking – every week it's looking like a better draft yeah. pick. He could not be stopped. And Daniel Jones played an incredible game to the point where I don't think there's any question that he is going to be the Giants quarterback next year. The question is how. Do they, do they sign him to a long-term deal? Do Maybe they, it's it, whatever. You possibly franchise. You can't Daniel franchise Jones, him. Can you? You're not going to sign him to a long-term deal, but you can sign him to, you know, a four-year deal, you know, with, with an opt-out after two, something short, something simple. He he, he had an, inc- an incredible game. He ran for 91 yards and two scores. He threw for two scores, and the team just rallies around him. Daniel Jones coming into the season. Give the guy a ton of credit. You come into the season after the team did not pick up your 50-year option and you don't know what your future holds and you fight through adversity, perform the way you performed, and now this Giants team is back in the playoffs. That's a great season. And Brian Dable, I don't know if he's going to win Coach of the Year. He certainly deserves it. He's in the conversation for sure, and I think this game puts him firm. Like, just really – the turnaround that Daniel Jones has made yeah. under Dayball is is notable. Like this is a this has been a big a big jump for him. And I I thought this might happen uh, as someone who was a believer in Dayball as a head coach. To see it happen with Daniel Jones is is very impressive. Uh, my question is, what I wonder what kind of money he's going to get. Is he going to get like the the Jimmy Garoppolo deal? Like I, no, I, oh maybe like a one year deal. You're saying yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of money. That's one. That's two. That's three. Because I can cash now three bets that I made with Fezzik and RJ about whether or not the, Giants the New York making football the Giants will make the playoffs. Congratulations. RJ gave me plus 110 odds. Fezzik gave me plus 120. And then, if you recall, Fez doubled down oh. and gave me plus 140. And I took them all. I'll be honest. Fez probably doesn't care right now because the Panthers didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Boy, I know he was sweating the Panthers making the playoffs because he was like, mortgage your house. Do whatever you can. Put all your money on Panthers to miss the playoffs. I, I will say this. There is, uh, and, and, and we'll get to that game. You might as well jump into it now because uh, we're not really going in any uh, particular order. 
But I do have an outstanding bet with Fez as well, where I bet him that the Minnesota Vikings would finish the season with more wins than the San Francisco 49ers. Oh. And now both teams are 12 and 4 heading into week 18. The Vikings get crushed by the Green Bay Packers 41-17. And now I will update the trend. If you, in the last 20 years there have been 10 teams that have been below 500 favored against teams with an 80% winning percentage or higher, like the Vikings were, in December or later. Those 10 teams are now 10-0 and 9-0-1 against the spread. And I understand a lot of that is teams at the end of the year that are that are so good, higher than 80% winning percentage, they bench guys because they have nothing yeah. to play for. So you get like, you know, the Colts go, you know, benching guys and letting the Jets into the playoffs all those years ago, not playing Peyton Manning. You get teams like that. So that's why you have, you know, sub, uh, sub 500 teams that do well against these winning teams. This was a rare scenario where, it, and, and the Packers were a play that I gave out of the pot. I think you were on board as well. It was a lot of us on board with the, with the Packers because, Man, they've been playing well, and the Vikings just seem to be getting by. This was absolute domination for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and the Packers playing like a team that has a chance to make the playoffs. Like, this is Aaron Rodgers is a different guy right now. He is a different guy than he was in week six. It, it was just something's clicked with him that he's interested and They're five and two in their last seven games. Yeah. Like this is a team that they started the season one and four and then lost five straight games. Like that that's how ugly this season was. You know, uh, excuse me, three and one they started, and then they lost five straight games. And and for the last couple of weeks, I know the opponents haven't been great. You beat the Bears, you beat the Rams. You beat the Dolphins. That was a good win. This Vikings win was impressive. Yeah, and the Vikings are a team that a lot of people have opinions on. They don't. A lot of sharps don't think the Vikings are very good. Uh, that's the team I want to play in the playoffs. Here's what I know about the Vikings: they are now four and three on the road. Mm. They are tough to beat at home. If it, I don't. I've got. To, I guess I've got to uh, dig into what the scenario is for the two seed. Oh, we'll go over it all. Okay. Uh, is there still a world where the Vikings could be the one seed? Who no? Because Vikings and Niners both have twelve wins. Philly yes. has. A, <clears throat> Philly has thirteen. But if the Cowboys beat the Eagles, the Cowboys become the one seed. Okay. Because the Cowboys beat the Vikings. So there's okay. So there's no scenario where the Vikings can be the one seed. I would say the two seed would be vastly important to the Vikings because if they can get a couple home games, absolutely, they've got a chance to make some noise. If they don't get more than their one home game for winning the division, I think it's going to be a tough, tough climb for them. Let's talk about another team that kept their playoff hopes alive, the Patriots. A 23-21 win over the Dolphins, but the Dolphins did yes. backdoor this thing with the late score. Two and a half, they did cover. Patriots get the win, and for the fourth straight week, their defense scores a touchdown. 
It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what I said about Teddy Bridgewater when he threw that, that pick, and somehow he hurt himself throwing that pick, of course, and had to leave the game. Took a wicked stiff arm to the face. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the Dolphins are free-falling. They're still, sure, is there a world where they can make the playoffs? Yes. Sure doesn't feel that way right now, does it? Like, think about what we saw at the Dolphins the first six weeks of the NFL season and then compare contrast that, I guess, to the last six weeks. And it doesn't even feel like we're talking about the same team. This feels like a, a dead team, doesn't it? It does feel like a dead team. Uh, and without their quarterback, it's just, it's not the same team. It wasn't the same team with Tua's struggles, but at least you had the hope that we know what Tua is capable of. And right now, I don't think Tua plays next week. I think this Dolphins team that started out the year so well. It's going to be a disappointing end and a lot of what if questions when it comes to this team because of how 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 good they were early on in the year. And this came down to the mistakes that the Dolphins made because Mac Jones stunk again. Mac Jones is not good. Uh, the running game for the, the Patriots was not good. Like the offense for the Patriots is so dreadful. All you've got to do is not screw it up. And the Dolphins screwed it up. So <laughs> this is uh, it's fascinating. Both these teams technically still alive for a playoff spot. We'll again we'll discuss the uh, the actual scenarios here coming up. Yep. Uh, let's move on to the Eagles and Saints. Philadelphia for the second straight week failing to clinch the number one spot in the NFC. Gardner Minshew, not great. 274 yards, one touchdown, uh, one interception. The only offense that the Eagles had were, was one deep shot to A.J. Brown. That's it. Yeah, and a pick six uh, for the Saints. This is – I'll say this. The loss is concerning, sure, you're, but you're going to lose games. The problem is the Eagles are very, very banged up at the worst possible time of the year to be dealing with major injuries. And this team that's been far and away the best team in the yeah. NFC all season long now looks extremely vulnerable. Had you asked me, you know, a month ago, I would have said it's Eagles 49ers and no one else. I would agree. Now, I don't know. I, I mean, could I see the Cowboys beating the Eagles? Yeah. I, I, I mean – on a good day, the Vikings could beat the Eagles. I, I'm certain I would bet the 49ers over the Eagles. The Eagles' health situation is dreadful right now, and it's not just a quarterback position. Mm -hmm. Like it's all over the place. The offensive line is banged. Like everybody's hurt. They we need, saw Josh Sweat get hurt yesterday. They need this buy desperately. Mm -hmm. This is a, a massive game coming up for them because they need a week to try and get things right. If they if they have to play in the first round of the playoffs on the road, oh boy! I mean, and granted, it'd be at Tampa, but I don't think anybody's like signing up to go. Hey, I can't wait to go play Tom Brady in a playoff <laughs> game at his house. Doesn't sound great, especially when you're beat up. So the Eagles, this game against the Giants next week, big time game for them. Which is interesting because the Giants are. I, oh, I guess technically they're not locked into the six. No, they are. Because, the, yeah, the Giants are locked into the six. Do they rest players? And do they go with, you know, Daniel Jones on the bench, Saquon Barkley on the bench, and let the Eagles just walk all over them, and the Eagles clinch the one seed, 
because the Giants have nothing to play for but just getting ready for a matchup against whoever they're going to play as the as the, the the three seed. Yeah, it it actually makes quite a bit of sense because you're right. The Giants, you can't catch them. Uh, the 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 Seahawks, the Lions, the Packers, because of that tie. Yeah, you're not going to be able to catch them, and the the Giants can't catch you know the Cowboys. So th- this is what the Giants are. It makes a lot of sense for the Giants to say, hey. Let's sit this one out. Let's prep up, be mm-hmm. ready, uh, because they're going to have a big game, likely. I mean, and maybe a very winnable game. Who knows? It could be. I don't know if it's going to be at San Francisco, at Boy, Minnesota. Lot. If it's a if it's a Giants Vikings rematch, we saw that game come down to a field goal. I wouldn't expect it to be any different. I don't, exactly. Don't think that's going to be any different. Uh, the other New York team eliminated. Not so lucky, friends. Jets lose in Seattle to the Seahawks. Boy, I was wrong about this game. I thought Mike White returning to the Jets would be the boost their offense needed. They couldn't do a thing. White threw two interceptions and Geno Smith, it's not like he was great. It's not like it, 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 it's not like the Seahawks did anything spectacular in this game. Uh, I, it, Kenneth Walker was spectacular. Yeah, well, he had the, the, he had the one long run on the on the first possession. Take away that one long run on the first possession, and it was a mediocre game. Okay, you know he had 133 yards, 60 of it came That's on right. one run. That's true. On the first uh, what third snap of the game, yeah, caught the Jets sleeping, whatever it was. Well, even if you take away that run, they still had 158 yeah, yards yeah, on the yeah, ground, of course, and or 148. They still almost double up what the Jets did on the ground. Like, this is the, – the Jets' defense, I think, failed them just as much as Mike White did. Yeah. Uh, you would expect more because Geno Smith wasn't even sacked at all. He was sacked four times. Um, but didn't turn the football over. The Jets' top 10 defense in DVOA coming into this game certainly didn't perform like this. And Garrett Wilson, boy, I, he might he might have lost – the Offensive Rookie of the Year award to Kenneth Walker in this game. He might have, yeah. Because Kenneth Walker had the 133 yards, and Garrett Wilson, three catches for 18 yards. Man. He was targeted 11 times, though. White just couldn't get him the ball, and he couldn't get his hands on the ball. And that was the difference. Garrett Wilson gets, if he catches five more of those passes, I don't know what happens. Here's here's the issue, though, and this – the biggest thing, the biggest reason why the Jets aren't in the playoffs right now is the guy who should have been offensive rookie of the year, Brees Hall, hurt, got yeah. hurt early. Mm-hmm. Because once the Jets' running game died, and, Correct. and it absolutely is dead, the Jets' offense is dead. Because the Jets don't have a quarterback on their roster that you say, you know what, if he goes out there and throws it 46 times, I feel like we've got a chance to win. It, as surprising as Mike White has been in bursts, if you told me going into this game Mike White was going to throw the ball 46 times, I said, Jets, Jets lose. Yeah. There's no way. Because 23 of 46, 17 rushing attempts mm-hmm. for the Jets. It's just, if that's your offense, with this, with the quarterback room that they have, they're not winning. And I think for the Jets, the biggest takeaway, I mean, obviously it's they don't make the playoffs. That stinks for the Jets. The biggest takeaway is our quarterback for next year it's is not, not on this roster. On this roster. We have to find something. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo. Might be. Might be Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. There's options out there. Yeah. There's options. I would agree. Uh, finally, a game that was uh, meaningless, but uh, it was the Battle of L.A. And not meaningless if you had Austin Eckler in your fantasy lineup. Eckler told people on Twitter that he was going to lead him to a fantasy championship. 122 yards, two touchdowns. 
Chargers win 31-10. Nice stamp to uh, what has been a strong second half of the season for the Chargers, who at 10-6 and six now are the five seed in the AFC playoff picture. I'm going to show you a, a screenshot here. Of Austin Eckler in your fantasy championship? Uh, Austin Eckler did play in my fantasy championship game, but he played against you. He played uh, for the other team. <laughs> did Mike Mike Evans play against you? Mike too? Evans did not play against me, uh, but Austin Eckler did. And I had Brandon Ayuk. I also had Justin Jefferson, who was mm. a, a ghost. So um, not quite enough to get the job done for your boy. So Austin Eckler, he told the truth. He was just talking to the wrong guy. Yeah. Uh, we got Monday night. Damn you, Austin. <laughs> Monday night football will wrap up week 17 tonight. The Bills and the Bengals. And this is a very important game. The Bills are 12-3. and three. They are the two seed in the AFC playoff picture right now. The Bengals are 11 and four. They are the three seed in the AFC playoff picture right now. With a win in this game tonight, the Cincinnati Bengals will win the AFC North division. And then that game against Baltimore next week doesn't mean anything. With a loss, they still have to beat Baltimore for the AFC North. Also with a win, the Cincinnati Bengals put themselves in position like the Buffalo Bills are in position right now to still be the number one overall seed in the AFC playoff picture if the Chiefs suffer a loss. But at worst, as long as they win next week, after a win tonight, the Bengals will be the two seed. So a lot on the line this is going to be. This is a playoff preview tonight. Oh, absolutely. This is. But I'm going to ask you. What round is this rematch going to take place? Is this going to be an AFC championship game preview? Or is this a divisional round preview? I'm going to say this is an AFC championship preview because I believe the Bills win this game. Uh, The Bills get the one seed. The Bengals and the Chiefs play in the second round of the playoffs. And the bill, and I think the Bengals beat the Chiefs. I think the Bengals are a better team than the, than the Chiefs. My concern for the Bengals, they're as good as their offense is. They are vulnerable on the offensive line. Uh, Leo Collins falling out is, Huge is loss. A massive, and you know their their offensive line has gotten worse as the season's gone on. Like it, it, it was solid, and then now it's reverting back to where it was at this point of the year last year, which got them killed in the Super Bowl. I mean, it got them through some playoff games, but it got them killed in the Super Bowl with a real pass rush. The Bills do not give up big plays, that big passes. That's what, you know, obviously the, the Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase have thrived on all year long. Um, I, I think the Bills hold Jamar Chase in check. And, you know, getting Travius White back a few weeks ago is massive. Like, this is, that is, this is the game that he's there for. This is why they were okay at saying, hey, take your time coming back. Take your time coming back. There's going to be big – this team knew they weren't going to be fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah. What they knew is at the end of the year, there's going to be important games. We need you to be ready for those games. Give me the bills. I, I, I maybe, I'm, uh, maybe I'm a little emotional on them. Maybe. But everybody seems to be picking the Bengals. That makes me like the bills even more. <sighs> Buffalo, one-point favorite. 
on the road. It's, it's basically just pick the winner of this game. I. It's so hard betting against the Bengals. They all they have done is just win football games and cover football games. Yeah. Joe Burrow is nineteen and three against the spread in his last twenty two football games for the Bengals. That's an incredible it record. It really is, and. They have now won, the Bengals have, four straight primetime home games. And in their last five home primetime home games, they're 4-1 and one against the spread. They perform well on the biggest stage. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't even want to pick a side in this game. This is an incredible game. I think it is an incredible game. I, I, I mean, I think when you look at it. I will say this. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick something in this game. Okay. Under 49 and a half. Oh, that's a big balls play. Yeah. That is a big balls play. I think I think if you're expecting the, you know, Chiefs and uh Rams game from a couple of years ago at the Coliseum, 55, whatever, 53, a shootout game, I don't think you're gonna get it. I think this is gonna be played like a playoff game. I think this is gonna be physical. I think it's gonna be low scoring. Uh, and and what low scoring? It's under fifteen, under fifty points. This could be a twenty-four. It's low scoring for a Bills Bengals game. Yeah, I think we're gonna get like a 24-21 type game. Okay, I, I could see that. The Bengals have won seven straight games. The Bills have won six straight six straight games. This is about as good of a matchup you could ask for in Week Seventeen, with a lot at stake. As we get into the Week Eighteen playoff scenarios. Let's pay tribute to those who have fallen. And this week, the New York Jets, the Washington Commandos, the New Orleans Saints, and the Carolina Panthers. Their torches have all been put out. The tribe has spoken. You are free to go. You are eliminated, as Fez would say. Now to the teams that have a chance to make the playoffs. What has to happen for these teams in week 18, Scott? All right, we'll start in the NFC where here's what we have right now. In the NFC playoff picture, the number one seed is up for grabs. The NFC East title is up for grabs. So we'll start with the number one overall seed, the Eagles. With a win over the Giants, simple. They'll clinch the number one overall seed. They will win the NFC East. They will also win the NFC East if the Cowboys lose to the Commanders. But it's first, it's just whatever you can control is great. Win and you're in. They're NFC East champs, and they are the number one overall seed. The Eagles can also clinch the number one overall seed if the 49ers lose and the Cowboys lose. The 49ers, they clinch the one seed with a win against the Cardinals and an Eagles loss to the Giants. The Cowboys clinched the number one seed and the NFC East title with a win over the Commanders, an Eagles loss to the Giants, and a 49ers loss to the Cardinals. So easiest scenario, Eagles win. If the Eagles lose, it opens the door for both the 49ers and the Cowboys, but the 49ers in the hierarchy are above the Dallas Cowboys. The 49ers also have the conference win-loss tiebreaker over Minnesota. For the two seed, San Francisco was nine and two in the NFC. Minnesota was seven and four. So those two teams with the same record, if they finish up the way they they're looking like they're going to finish up now, 
if let's say if chalk holds yep. as the Vikings are one point favorites at the <laughs> Bears at the at the team that's locked into a top two pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, but the the Vikings are a one point favorite there. So if those two teams win, Vikings would be the three seed. 49ers would be the two seed. Yep. Tampa Bay locked into the four as the winners of the NFC South. The Giants are. They will play, they will play the NFC East runner up. Correct. Because they're going to play the five seed. The Giants are locked into the six seed as the first uh, or the second wild card. The seventh seed, the final wild card is up for grabs. Three teams. Three teams are alive. The Packers, they win against the Lions. They're in the playoffs. If the Lions beat the Packers, well, then it comes down to the Lions and the Seahawks. A Seahawks win over the Rams combined with that Lions win over the Packers, the Seahawks are in the playoffs. If the Seahawks lose to the Rams and the Lions beat the Packers, the Lions are in as the seventh seed. Those are your NFC scenarios for week 18. What's the line on right now, Packers and Lions? Current line, Green Bay minus four hosting the Lions. Okay. It uh, makes sense to me. Uh, let's go to the AFC where a lot obviously has to do with what happens tonight between the Bills and the Bengals. But up for grabs is the number one overall seed and home field advantage and the bye. The Bills, if they beat the Bengals tonight and they beat the Patriots next week, they're your number one seed. The Chiefs will be the number one seed if the Bills lose tonight and the uh, or the Bills lose next week, I guess, too. But if the Bills lose tonight, it's easier because then all the, all the Chiefs need to do is win against the Raiders. The Bengals can get the one seed. They got to beat the Bills tonight. And they got to win next week against the Ravens. <laughs> I almost feel like we should save the AFC playoff scenarios yeah. t- until tomorrow because so much change is based on the results of this game. Well, here's what we definitely know. AFC South title is on the line. Jaguars, Titans playing in an AFC South championship game. And that game will be played Saturday night on primetime. So we will know before Sunday even starts who wins the AFC South yep. and who is the four seed in the AFC South. As it stands right now, Jacksonville a seven-point favorite over Tennessee. Wow. Unreal. I think I like Tennessee. Do you? Yeah, it's it's a huge line for a division championship game. I mean, it's just what kind of quarterback are you going to get? What kind of quarterback player are you going to get from Tennessee? That's tough. Just hand the ball off 30 times to Derrick Henry. It's the last game of the season. you got nothing else to lose. Well, Give it to him 40 times. Jacksonville has shown me, if anything, they should have shown you over the last six weeks. Yeah. They're better than you thought they were. Of course. Well, Trevor Lawrence has played well. Travis Etienne has played well. They're, they, they, they have played well as a team. The uh, seventh wild card seed is up for grabs in the AFC because the five and six are settled. You got the Chargers and Baltimore have clinched playoff spots. So for the seventh seed, the Patriots, they're in with a win. Simple as that. They could also get in with other teams losing, but let's just go to the winning scenarios. Patriots win, they're in. Patriots play the Bills, so it's yes. not as easy as it sounds. Yes. If the Patriots lose, but the Bills, no, the Bills still have to play. Bills would be motivated. Yeah. So if the Patriots lose, the Dolphins will be the seventh seed if they beat the Jets. Okay. That's a simple I, I've got no idea what's going to happen in that okay. game. Oh, my God. Now, if... <laughs> The Patriots lose to the Bills, and 
the Dolphins lose to the Jets. By the way, the Dolphins, three-point favorites hosting the Jets. So if, and the Bills currently, again, still a game to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Look ahead, though, minus seven and a half hosting the Patriots. That would make sense to me. Okay, if both those teams lose, if the Patriots and Dolphins lose, the Steelers get into the playoffs if they beat the, Bear, the, the Browns. What's the Steelers-Browns line? Steelers-Browns is... Ooh, minus two and a half Pittsburgh at home. I love it. I like Pittsburgh there. I love it. I love Pittsburgh there. Bet it now before everyone gets on it and it moves to three. Got to get that two and a half. Yeah, that's surprising to me. Now, uh, guess what? The Jaguars could actually still get into the playoffs. As a wild card. If they lose on Saturday, the Jaguars will be the biggest fans of the Jets, the Bills, and the Browns, because if the Dolphins, Patriots, and Steelers lose, and the Jaguars lost on Saturday to the Titans, then the Jags at eight and at uh, nine or eight and nine would be your seven seed. So you're saying there's a chance? Yes, but obviously they just want to win. But at least probably be the easiest. It's way. nice knowing that even if you don't win, there is a chance for you to get into the playoffs. But I'll be honest, I just just purely based on like. What's right in the world? I don't want two teams from the AFC South in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely not. Like, it just doesn't seem fair. <laughs> almost, almost as bad as uh, four, four teams from the NFC East getting in. Yeah, no thanks. It's bad enough you got three. Well, yeah, that's happened before though. So those are your playoff scenarios for Week 18 of the NFL season. We are set for a national championship game in college football. The TCU Horn Frogs. The Georgia Bulldogs, dog versus frog for all the marbles. Georgia, 13 and a half point favorites in a national championship game. Ooh, doggy. I predicted this line. Uh huh. I actually said, thir- somebody asked me yesterday, I said 13. So I was, this is a massive line, but it's not surprising. I literally said 13 and a half. That's and I want I wish I said it on the air somewhere, but no, I was uh, on New Year's Eve, I was at the party and you know, everyone knows what I do for a living and Well, they, I said it on Twitter, so mine's official. Okay. They said, <laughs> "What would you uh oh, we could talk about Twitter in a second. But uh <laughs> they said, "Oh man, they said, well, what's the line?" And I go, "It's got to be 13 and a half." Yeah. And I checked and it was 13 and a half. Speaking of Twitter. First of all, let me just say this. We finally got good playoff games. Yes. Because in the history of the college football playoff, we've only had one good game, the 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 Oklahoma Georgia overtime game, yeah. right? Oh, every other game in the I'm talking about semifinals not finals. Semifinals have been blowouts in the college football playoff. So we finally got good games. That being said, I tweeted something out. I said Alabama, this is after watching the so after watching Alabama demolish Kansas State, yeah, and then watching Michigan struggle with TCU, this is prior to the Michigan comeback. So I'm just watching first half Michigan getting destroyed by TCU. I said Alabama would blow out both TCU and Michigan. <laughs> I, I agree with you. You're sane and you understand yeah. college football. But the amount of backlash that I received on Twitter, people calling me clueless, People quoting the Alabama scores of the losses this year, right? Uh, people looking at Alabama, oh, just like they blew out this team, you know, being sarcastic. 
Listen. What what's what scores were they quoting of the Alabama loss? The three point loss yeah. or the one point loss? Yeah. Which one? Yeah, just like Alabama lost those games. Just like Alabama. My point is, a and I understand regular season games. You're motivated, of course. You're motivated, whatever. In a and I'm and I wasn't going to have the argument about who deserved to get in. Because did Ohio State play a great game against Georgia? Absolutely. Do I believe Ohio State deserved to get into the playoff? No. It has nothing to do with the merit of what Ohio State is as a football team. To me, it has to do with the criteria to get into the playoff. And if you lose by three touchdowns at home in your last game, you shouldn't get rewarded with a playoff berth. I thought Alabama should have been in the playoff over Ohio State. Anyway, and by the way, the books agree with me. Because Alabama would have been favored over every team in the playoff except for Georgia. Yeah. And the way that Alabama played in that bowl game against Kansas State, who, by the way, beat TCU in the Big 12 championship game. That's what you would have gotten in a playoff. That's motivated Nick Saban with extra time to prepare in a bowl scenario. Alabama, if they played in a college football playoff semifinal, against Michigan or TCU, after seeing the way that both Michigan and TCU played, and after seeing the way Alabama played, you can't convince me. You can argue with me, but that's great. You can have your opinion. I can have mine. I think Alabama would blow out both those teams. I don't disagree. And I'll tell you what, after seeing the way Georgia played against Ohio State, Alabama would have beaten Georgia. Ooh, I don't know. I I mean, it, it certainly would have been a good matchup, but this is where we are. TCU beats Michigan 51-45. Here's my question for you. If they don't botch that snap at the end of the game, does Michigan go down and score? Because it felt like they the, still had no timeouts left and the clock was against them. I don't know. It just felt like the, Michigan finally had momentum. Like sure. They, they had nothing going for them in the first half. And in the second half, it felt like they were the better team. If, it was good, like if there was going to be a big explosive play, it would have happened there. Here's where I'll say I give I give TCU a lot of credit because my handicap on this game was Michigan just doesn't give up explosive plays defensively, mm-hmm. and they did over and over yep. again against TCU. So TCU, great game. Uh, Max Duggan with a great game, although a couple picks late. It could have hurt him. This 44 didn't hurt him. points scored in the third quarter was incredible. Unreal. This is the thing, though. And, you know, every week on the Dream Pod, we talk about the advanced – numbers on all of the NFL games and what the score could have been or what it should have been if you take away garbage time if you if you take you know turnover worthy plays and and you take the luck factors out of it and things like that if we did our analytics on this game i bet you michigan wins by two touchdowns you think so I mean, I get they made some bonehead decisions so think, though and that's the thing you can't really put in on a spreadsheet exactly but let's think about it though the, the stupid fourth and two, fourth and goal call at the goal line. Yeah. On the first possession of the game. Then you get a pick six. Then you have a touchdown that's overturned because the replay official is a criminal. <laughs> and then they fumble the snap on the following play and don't yeah. score. To me. And then there was another pick six. So. Those four plays right there, instead of being 14-0 in favor of TCU, in my opinion, should have been 14-0 in favor of Michigan. That's a 28-point swing on those four plays. 
Now, of course, it could have been lesser. Michigan could have gone for a field goal on the on the first drive of the game and could have been up three nothing. Yeah, Michigan, but but the, the touchdown that was called back and then the fumble on that play, that's ridiculous. And then the two pick sixes from a guy in JJ McCarthy that doesn't turn the football over, but is also a freshman quarterback playing yes. in the biggest game of his career. Absolutely. So, as they say, shit happens. Sometimes. I, I, I like, just think that I think the final score. A little deceiving. I agree, but here's how what I'll say. Played out. And I, I, if you ask me, if these two teams played tomorrow, would I pick Michigan or TCU? I would pick Michigan. So would I. But and, and TCU's you, earned some respect. Oh, for me. absolutely. And, I, and 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 it pains me because I bet on TCU every game this year. Uh, you did <laughs> you know? all the all the weeks that I was like, oh, I don't buy into this team. You're like, dude, they oh, they're great. But but if you told me. Forget about what happened, you know, in, in the first half. And, yes, I know TCU scored 30 points in the second half. But if you told me Michigan scored 39 points in the second half of this game, knowing what Michigan has done defensively in the second halves of football games this year, I would have told you this was a a 50-burger blowout that yeah. Michigan won by four touchdowns. Yeah. Because – that to me, the most shocking part of this game was the Michigan defense after coming up after their offense came up with big play after big play to score, allowing TCU to run the football for massive chunk plays. That was the difference. And on the other side of the playoff bracket, maybe, maybe the best game of the college football playoff era. Is that possible? It's right up there with that the overtime game with Oklahoma. Yeah, Georgia 42, Ohio State 41. What a comeback for Georgia who was it, it felt like almost out of this game. Um Ohio State was just putting it to them in the third quarter after a a, a kind of a back and forth mm-hmm. first half. It felt like Ohio State really took control in the third quarter, and this is the thought that I had, and now that the game was played out, I really regret it. I thought I should have known eventually Stetson Bennett wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And, boy, do I feel foolish. I never, I didn't say it out loud anywhere. I didn't tweet it. I didn't say anything to even my buddies. I just I thought it in my head. And then at the end of the game, I was like, you should have given him that credit. Because Stetson Bennett keeps finding a way. Listen, Stetson Bennett is not going to be an NFL quarterback. If he is, he's not going to be a starting quarterback. I would say this, though. If if I had my choice of somebody to pull onto my roster as a third-string quarterback, I want a guy who I know is a winner. Yeah, Stetson Bennett is a freaking winner, man. Absolutely. And this dude makes plays happen. He made huge plays happen down the stretch. And Georgia comes all the way back. The biggest play of the entire game. Fourth and three for Ohio State. They line up to punt. No, fourth and one. It was fourth and one. They line up to punt. Mm-hmm. Kirby Smart sees something he doesn't like, runs over and calls timeout. Right before Ohio State fakes the punt and would have gotten a first down. And there are people who say, well, they didn't acknowledge it fast enough. It should The play should have count. I don't know. All I know, I saw him call timeout before yeah. the play was snapped. I'm going to give him the credit. He saw what was what the problem was. So and instead of honest, the first down there, let's be honest. I, I we're it's 2023 now. Technological advances. Let's just give coaches like a buzzer 
we probably that, that just they can call it yeah. like the idea of getting the refs' attention, like running down the sideline, yeah, getting the refs' attention with with the crowd noise and everything like that, and then you have to worry about the ref, like you know, uh, uh, the play clock snap. Did you call it? You know, like maybe you need get, to have like we've got the red flag for a challenge flag. Maybe there should be a timeout flag no, that you can just chuck you, onto the field. Then you're still worried about the ref seeing it. Like just give him a buzzer that throw it at the ref that signals <laughs> that signals the thing. You know, or just like it signals the the the. the there's a I don't know. It's just, to me, yes, I, Kirby Smart did call a timeout. It did. But if you're an Ohio State fan, I can understand why you're upset yeah. about it. Either way, Ohio State has to punt. Georgia goes down and scores. Yep. The game's totally different now. But then also credit to Georgia's defense that came up with the uh, the big sack on the set. What was it? Second and five or whatever it was. Yep. And they sacked C.J. Stroud, and that made it an, an, a, a third and long, which then led to Ohio State settling for the field goal there instead of, um, you know, instead of scoring a touchdown and putting the game away, Ohio State scores a field goal, and it's still a a one-possession game. And Noah Ruggles, the kicker for Ohio State, I I feel bad for him. Uh, It's like one of those, it's a a big moment for the guy, and he has been elite Mm -hmm. this season he's a fantastic kicker just didn't adjust for the wind but (laughs) but the truth is that's that kick that miss is probably what he'll be remembered for and that's that's unfortunate uh for a guy who's been there for five years kicking at ohio state um but for him to miss that kick is that's that's got to be gutting for him it Um, was it's as if everybody every georgia fan on one side of the stadium exhaled at the same time it was such a bad kick did you see the videos about how it synced up it was perfectly amazing. with, with it was the ball amazing dropping? on the west coast I yeah say. west coast ball drop uh no, no it was the no, east, east coast east, east coast ball drop yeah. yeah yeah uh credit where it's due cj stroud you know in a game that he's he's still showcasing his nfl abilities mm-hmm. that earlier in that day everybody's jaws were on the floor about bryce young I think C.J. Stroud proved himself a little bit here. It, like, If you remember, coming into this season, the discussion was who's going to be the first pick, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a discussion now, but now I think there's a discussion to be had over who's the second pick, C.J. Stroud or Will Levis. Mm-hmm. Personally, I would take C.J. Stroud. Yeah. I think Will Levis is Mitch Trubisky 2.0. I think he's one of these guys who's got all kinds of tools, uh, listen, but I don't know when, if he's a great football player. Will Levis is going to be... It's the Zach Wilson mistake because Zach Wilson looked incredible in his pro day. Will Levis will look incredible at his pro day. Here's the difference between Will Levis and Zach Wilson. And this is why I'll never in a like I could understand a world where someone said, you know what? I, will Levis is big, great arm. He's fast. I could big see games it. in the SEC. Yeah. Zach Wilson played like he played zero power five teams his mm-hmm. last year. He's not he's not a great arm. He's not really fast. He's he doesn't have all the tools that toolsy guys are supposed to have. He made one throw at a pro day to someone in shorts. Yeah. And people are like, holy shit, we gotta get that guy. <laughs> That's like Jamarcus Russell level dumb. Yeah. Like, oh, did you see he threw it from his knees? Well, guess what? You don't do that in the NFL or you're down. Yeah. Uh, but Will Levis, I get it. I see some of the things that people see, but it's the same things I saw with Mitch Trubisky. It's like, yeah, guy's big and strong. You throw the ball, you throw it a country mile, as to, they say. To be, to be fair, yes, there are the bad scenarios 
with guys like that. Sure. There are and there's also the Josh the Allens. Good, and, and there's the Joe Flacco's. Sure. Joe Flacco came out of Delaware, and no one knew who he was. But people said, this guy has all the measurables of yep. an NFL quarterback, and he wins a Super Bowl. You know, like that. Let's let's give credit where credits due. Like there are certain guys like that, and yeah, Josh Allen from Wyoming as well. You know, there are guys, and to an extent, Carson Wentz from North Dakota. You know, it's like, yeah. who is this guy? He's big, he's strong, he's got a great arm. And Will Levis has all yeah, those things, absolutely. But C.J. Stroud showed me this is a big game player, man. Yep. Big game player on the biggest stage, which we will never see Will Levis on. All right, we got four bowl games here today on New Year's Day. Parentheses observed. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. It is. Oh, okay. This is a, it's a All bank right. holiday. This is. A, is it really? Yes. Oh man. This is a holiday. I got to take my truck to get worked on today. I, I, the dealership's going to be open. I, I don't know. Today, today's New Year's Day oh, observed. Oh no. It's a bank holiday. You've really, I don't need to go to the bank. You're, you've thrown a wrench into my plans but that's for just today, what, Yeah, it, it's New Year's Day, parentheses observed. All right. Uh, we got the ReliaQuest Bowl, which I'm still calling the Outback Bowl, Mississippi State and Illinois at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, where the field is probably going to be terrible because the Bucks and Panthers played there yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got Tulane, USC in the Cotton Bowl, not played at the Cotton Bowl. That's at AT&T Stadium. LSU and Purdue in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Not the Cheez-It Bowl. No. The Cheez-It That's been played. Citrus Bowl. Boy, Cheez-It's just throwing money around. Throwing money around. I, I, I was born the cheesiest. Man. Uh, that's at Camping World Stadium. I got to get some of that cheese money. In Orlando. And then Penn State, Utah in the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. All a big fat appetizer to Bill's Bengals. Exactly. <laughs> what a great day of football. Here's what AJ and I had to say earlier on our bonus College football playoff slash New Year's Day observed bowl preview show. All right, let's look at the ReliaQuest Bowl. And this one comes down to what you think is more important. The motivation factor that seems to really favor I'm Mississippi still, State. I'm, st- I'm still calling it the Outback Bowl. Okay. Uh, there won't be a, a blooming onion handing out the trophy or at the <laughs> coin toss, unfortunately. Um, but Mississippi State had players opt back into this bowl game, and there's clearly a lot of emotion with losing their coach. Or do you look at it from the view of Mississippi State's playing without their coach? Yeah. Um, this one, there's a lot of opt-outs for uh, Illinois here. And I, I'll be honest, I was looking to be on Illinois. When I saw this matchup get put out, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly be on Illinois here, but the opt-outs have turned me the other way. Um, Mississippi State can't run the ball and can't stop the run, but that's okay because Illinois is, you know, they're great in the secondary, but they've got three studs in the secondary. Well, two out of the three of them are are out of this game. Devin Witherspoon, Sidney Brown, they're both out. The third, Quan Martin, has been really vague about whether or not he intends to play. Mm-hmm. He's been at practice, but I don't know if he's going to play. And then their running back, who, let's just face it, their offense, uh, Chris Chase Brown, Chase Brown, yep, he's out. I Like I said, I fully expected to be on Illinois because regular season Illinois is built to give Mississippi State fits. Yeah. But this isn't the regular season. I could only look at the Bulldogs here, Mississippi State. And I, I think over is the way to go as well. What do you think? Yeah. Look, Chase Brown rushed for 1,643 yards and 10 touchdowns. That is, like, impossible to replace. And defensively, which has been the strength 
of this Illinois team, uh, second in the nation in yards per play allowed, their defensive coordinator is now the head coach at Purdue. So he's gone. Uh, defensive backs coach Aaron Henry has been promoted to the defensive coordinator job. So there's transition for them. Obviously, you mentioned the transition of, of who's going to be coaching uh, Mississippi State. And yeah, it, what's, you know, Mike Leach passing, it, it, it's terrible. These players, I'm sure, are going to rally around each other. But you, don't, you didn't just lose your head coach. You lost your offensive coordinator. You lost your play caller. You know, you lost the guy that is responsible for making this offense tick. Uh, I don't know what the outcome of this game is going to be. It's such a coin flip game. I would actually lean towards the under, if I'm being honest. I don't know how many points get scored. I think Illinois is going to rally defensively around each other. I understand the opt-outs, but the idea that there's a new coach that's been promoted to D.C., sometimes players fight for that defensive coach. Maybe they want that defensive coach to keep the job. I don't know, but... I, I look at the loss of Mike Leach and what it means to the offense for Mississippi State. No Chase Brown, no uh, Luke Ford, who's also their tight end yep. uh, for Illinois. He's not playing either, so I don't think Illinois is going to score a ton of points. I think we can get a surprising under in this game. All right, so I, I, I tend to think the opt-outs for Illinois make this an over game. Just but, because, well, because, so, I mean, you're worried about their secondary, but I'm worried about how Mississippi State operates on offense. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, let's look at the Cotton Bowl, uh, USC, Tulane, the Trojans, the men of Troy, as we like to call them. I don't know why I like to call them that, but it just sounds cool. Uh, Two-point favorites total in this game is 64, and USC is going to be without Jordan Addison, and they're going to be without two of their best offensive linemen. Everyone is playing for Tulane, no surprise. This is one of, if not the biggest, game in their program's history mm -hmm. meanwhile usc is playing Tulane in a bowl game so to me this comes down to two things i i think motivation is clearly on the side of Tulane. yeah but can usc run the ball i think it will be very difficult for usc to throw on Tulane. i know that they've got the heisman winner and they throw on everyone all year but Tulane is better in the secondary than anybody in the pac-12 this is an elite second, not just an elite G5 secondary. This is an elite football secondary. The other thing is, can Tulane run the ball? I've said all year, this USC defense is fraudulent. I think this is where it gets exposed. Tajay Spears has run for 120 plus yards in seven straight games. He's top 15 nationally in yards, top 15 nationally in touchdowns. Um. And the, I think the X factor here is also C Caleb Williams' health. Last time we saw him in the Pac-12 championship, he couldn't walk. Like, he, he was – his hamstring had fallen off the bone. I mean, he, he's, he said he's playing, but if shit hits the fan, is Riley going to leave his Heisman winner out there on the field when he isn't 100%? I think the answer is no. So I like the more motivated team. I think they match up well here. I love Tulane in this game. So I like Tulane. I lean towards the over. What do you think? Does this have a similar feel to Boise State, Oklahoma Fiesta Bowl? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, I'd say a little bit. Because that's all I can think about when I'm looking at this game. I'm thinking about the upstart program from the small conference that gained national recognition this year that is much better than the average fan knows about. 
And yes, there's going to be people that are not paying attention to the status of key players for for uh, USC. There's going to be people that just blindly see the Trojans as you know, a small favorite and clearly back USC. But you're right. Uh, Tulane is is so good. They can beat you in a number of ways, especially running the football and defensively. To me, I think this is... I think Tulane wins this game outright. Not just. I thought you were going to give me pushback on this, to be honest. No. All, all year long, when I've been saying USC stinks, you're like, no, they're not. They're but, good. But you're right. I don't know if Caleb, William plays, Caleb Williams plays the entire game. I don't know if there's motivation on the side for, uh, for USC. You know, Michael Pratt is, you know, 25 touchdowns. He ran for 10 touchdowns. He threw for over 65% of it, completion percentage. Um, USC with their bend, sometimes break defense, not going to be good against, uh, you, you know, Spears and, and, and Pratt. And if anything, I like the over in this game, which is I weird, which is weird for a Tulane game because of how well they played defensively. But if Caleb Williams is doing his thing and he plays the whole game, he's, he's going to be cooking, right? Let Caleb yep. cook. But I, I just, I think that Tulane comes into this game much like, Boise State did in that game with nothing to lose, which means they go for it on fourth downs, which means we could see some trick plays. We can see some two-point conversions. And it's I think this is going to be one of the more fun bowl games to watch that I really think Tulane has the ability to pull an upset here and shot. It, it would shock the average college football fan. It wouldn't shock people that have watched this team all year. Well, you've shocked me by siding with Tulane here, so I'm I'm pleasantly surprised it's, to hear that from it, you. It's so sharp, it's square. <laughs> All right, let's look at the Citrus Bowl. Ugh, this is an ugly one, too. Purdue at LSU. LSU minus 14 and a half. Total 55 and a half. And this is Purdue without Aiden O'Connell. Without their best wide receiver, Charlie Jones, their best tight end, Payne Durham. Without a coach. Uh, without Spencer Holdridge, their guard. They've got five starters on defense opting out, and their coach opted out to go to Louisville. Yep. Uh, Brian Brom is going to coach his brother, Jeff Jeff Brom's brother. LSU is also going to be without some guys. They're going to be without three of their four starters on D, or on the D line, excuse me. Uh, they're going to be without their best corner. They're without two of their top three wide receivers now. That uh, Booty opted out. The The difference here is the depth for these teams. LSU has a lot more talent depth than Purdue does. Purdue has a handful of players that matter, and that handful is all opting out of this game. LSU has players that would start for Purdue that haven't taken a snap this year. Yep. Um, the quarter, the guy playing quarterback for Purdue, Austin Burton, almost lost to Florida Atlantic in his only start. There's just nothing to like about Purdue here. This should be a blowout. Uh given Brian Kelly is motivated, which I think he will be. So I, I like LSU even laying the big number. To win for my family. Um, <laughs> Jaden Daniels is the best player on the field. It's just, there's, there's, there's no argument, and I don't even think there's a close second, if we're being honest. So uh, he's going to dominate the game for LSU. The line was six and a half prior to Jeff Brom announcing that he was leaving, and it has just climbed and climbed and climbed. And it's at, I'm seeing 15 at Circa on the board right now. Uh, I, I think that, I, I understand that the Purdue players are going to be motivated because Drew Brees is on their sidelines, right? But that's just, to me, that's just a ploy. 
it's a it's a marketing thing. It's something cool to to show your recruits because you're afraid you're going to lose people with the head coach leaving, and you're like, no, 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 wait, but like Drew Brees is a special assistant, so <laughs> you know, come to Purdue or, or or keep your commitment and play for Purdue. So that's you know what what they're banking on. I don't think he has any impact as far as coaching this team. Uh, you know, Austin Burton, who is a former UCLA uh, transfer, so the, the the kid does have some talent. But it, it, LSU is the much better team here, the much better coached team here. And as I mentioned, Daniels is the best player on the field. So it's a heavy, heavy number, but I like LSU to win big. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if this game does go over 56 because LSU is going to put up a ton of points. All right, let's look at what they call the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. Nothing and... better. Nothing better than watching the Tournament of Roses parade on New Year's Day. I hate parades. Except, I hate them. Except, is the parade on going to be still on New Year's Day, or is the parade going to be parade. on Monday? I don't know. I, I, I hate I'm looking parades. this up right now. So here we go. The ro- the, the the parade is going to be on... It's going to be on Monday. They're doing the parade on Monday. The whole parade got moved for the NFL. Yeah. That's power. That's power the NFL's got. Do you remember, remember in 90210 when Donna Martin was the, uh, she she was like <laughs> the, the princess? The, yeah, the, the Tournament of Roses parade, yeah. No, mm. don't remember that? Okay. <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't, to be honest. Oh, the Rose Court. She was the, come on. <laughs> uh, all right. Penn State, two and a half point dogs against Utah, total 52 and a half. I like Penn State here. I'll just come out and say it. Uh, I think they're the more talented team, particularly on defense. Utah has played a weak schedule of defenses, and I think there's a different level of physicality that that Penn State's going to bring here. Utah also generally weaker away from home, particularly Cam Rising has struggled away from home. Florida, UCLA, Oregon, all losses. In those games, Cam Rising threw one touchdown, five interceptions. Uh, Utah is going to be without their best corner, Clark Phillips. They're going to be without Tavion Thomas, Dalton Kincaid. Major pieces to what Utah has done on offense. Penn State's going to be without a key defender and cornerback uh, Joey Porter Jr. They're going to be without Parker Washington, their receiver. Yes, I think Utah has the better coach. Yes, Penn State was massively outplayed against their two best opponents this year. But Ohio State and Michigan are on a different level than Utah. And I think being away from altitude makes the Utes a lesser team. I like the Nittany Lions here, plus the two and a half points. I like this to be an under game as well. What do you think? Well, let's acknowledge this is the greatest scene in college football. When the sun sets in Pasadena and you get the image of the Rose Bowl with the mountains in the background, there's nothing better than watching the Rose Bowl. Uh, I just wish it was on New Year's Day. Um, But here's what I believe for Utah the motivation is. That was a that was a, a a terrible loss last year in the Rose Bowl, right? It was the first time that Utah made the Rose Bowl. They had a two touchdown lead over Ohio State, who had a bunch of backups playing. Now we know how good those backups were, uh, and they blew the lead and lost the game, right? They gave up uh, the the last second field goal, but they even you know they were they they found themselves trailing Cameron Rising, you know. Um, not, it wasn't even Cameron Rising. I think it was the backup at that point, um, Barnes, or I don't even know what happened last year. But they they let them. They came back and scored, and it was uh, a tough loss. Let's just put it that way: a tough loss for Utah last year in the Rose Bowl, unfinished business. Uh, 
Utah takes this game very seriously to make up for what happened last year. They have the 22nd best defense in the country, allowing only 20.4 points per game. They have the 16th best rushing defense in the country, allowing only 107 yards per game. Uh, Passing, they only allow a little bit over 218 yards per game. I I think Utah's more talented. I I understand Sean Clifford's been there for like 12 years, but I I think Utah, much better coached. This is a a source of pride to make up for what happened last year. Uh, I'm going to back Utah, which saw their, their, you know, season come to a, a, a halt with a bad loss to Oregon, but they made up for it with two really, with one, I guess, really good win at the end of the year over USC. To get into this game, I like Utah to win. Okay, so more disagreement here. You like it as a, a high-scoring, low-scoring game? What do you see? I like it to go over 52.5. So that's the picks for the four games coming up today. And as you heard, AJ and I, a little bit of a crossfire on the Rose Bowl. Also today, AJ, what a great day of sports because it's a holiday. What a great day of sports we <laughs> holiday, have. Holiday, parentheses, observed. observed. Yes. We have World Junior Championship quarterfinal action. was a, a nice, successful betting day for me on the conclusion of the group stage of the World Juniors. And now we're going to look towards the quarterfinals. So here's what's going down. Sweden takes on Finland. Switzerland against the Czech Republic. Germany and the United States. Slovakia and Canada. The winner of Czech and Switzerland will play the winner of USA-Germany in the semis. The winner of Canada-Slovakia will play the winner of Finland and Sweden. For those of you that care about Team USA, four and a half goal favorites over Team Germany. Total is seven and a half. Canada, four and a half goal favorites over Slovakia with a total of seven and a half. I am very intrigued by a lot of these games. Czech Republic, a goal and a half over Switzerland, probably going to be a play for me. The Czechs have played very, very well in this tournament. They have a ton of talent. They have won games convincingly. You know, it's not just the 5-2 upset over Canada. Uh, I know they lost to Sweden, but they bounced back big time for me in their 8-1 route of Germany. I I think they have too much offense for this Swiss team. It's a low spread at one and a half. That's probably where I'm leaning on this one. Finland, Sweden is a coin flip. Uh, I don't know if I would touch that game. It's literally minus 135 for Sweden and plus 115 for Finland. USA, Germany, the United States should blow them out. There's no reason why the U.S. shouldn't win by five plus goals. Like I said, Czech Republic won 8-1 against Germany. Uh, You also had an earlier... The U.S. got their choke job out of the way. Absolutely. The United States, since losing to Slovakia, beat Switzerland 5-1, to one, and then beat Finland, the second-best team in that group, 6-2. to two. The U.S. got the kinks out. As far as Germany is concerned, Germany lost to Canada 11-2. to two. They lost to the Czech Republic 5-1. to one. If the United States doesn't put up six goals in this game, they should be upset with themselves. I think the U.S. can cover the 4.5. It's juiced right now at minus 140. Total is seven and a half. Slovakia, Canada, Canada has been a it's been a pleasure to watch this team. It really has. I mean, Connor Bedard is the best player in the world right now. 
at, at under 20 years old. He is the, it, you know, everyone talks How about. How come these guys that are under 20 aren't just already in the NHL? They're going to get drafted this year. He's the number one overall pick. Why isn't he already there? Because uh, he's, what, 17? Get in there, man. We'll get Graduate high school. Get your ass in there. Or he's, yeah, he's 17 years old. He's, yeah, now he's going to be eligible now. For get the out NHL. there, man. Let the guy play. Let him make his money. He's going to set the record for the most goals and points here at the World Juniors. Uh, he has doubled the next he's guy. He's getting the golden boot? The, the golden stick, whatever The golden skate? I don't know. He's just, He is absolutely insane right now. Canada, but Slovakia is really good. And they have the second overall pick in last year's draft, Simon Nemec, uh, who was drafted by the Devils. This is going to be a good matchup. I don't know if Canada covers four and a half goals here, I'll be honest. Canada's going to win this game. But I don't know if they cover four and a half goals. I might lean towards Slovakia plus the four and a half or take the over seven and a half because if Canada does win by five goals, there's no way that it's going to be five nothing right. or six one. You know, like it could be seven to two and Canada wins by five goals. So if you like Canada, the over is a correlated play, uh, but I lean towards Slovakia. Speaking of the holiday, AJ, it's a tradition. Unlike any other. It's not the Masters, no. It is the Winter Classic. It'll be taking place at Fenway Park this year. The Bruins and the Penguins. Boston is a minus 175 favorite. Total is six. And there was one Winter Classic played at Fenway Park previously. That was uh, New Year's Day of 2010. The Bruins and the Flyers. That was a 2-1 overtime game. If you look at the history of outdoor hockey games, you had the Heritage Classic last year in uh, Toronto at Tim Hortons Field. That was 5-2. You had the Stadium Series at Nissan Stadium. That was 3-2. You had the Winter Classic last season, 6-4. The Lake Tahoe games were just ridiculous. But there's been... A number of, uh, it's been a mixed bag of overs and unders. I guess what you have to look at is what time of day the game is, what the sun situation is like, because if there's any glare or anything like that, the sight lines are going to be awkward for these goaltenders. And if they can't see the puck well, or there's something in their peripheral that affects their vision, they're going to let up soft goals. What concerns me is sometimes the ice is not great. The puck is not steady. It bounces, things like that. Uh, If you have to, let's look at the weather, right? The Boston weather forecast for today looks like, let's see, the hourly forecast for for Boston. You want to talk about weather? Let's talk about weather. We'll have a cafe and we'll look at the weather at Fenway Pack. Uh, here's what we're looking at. This game is going to be taking place at 2 o'clock Eastern time. So at puck drop, 51 degrees. That's actually relatively warm. Yeah. Wind gusts, though, at 17 miles per hour. Don't know how that's going to affect some slap shots, but I'll tell you what. 51 degrees and mostly sunny might lead to some poor ice conditions. I, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing on this game just yet. I have a lean towards the over only because two o'clock in the afternoon, mostly sunny 
it, it could be awkward with the way that the sun is at, at Fenway Park. I'm going to have to go back and actually take a look at, you know, what uh, what it looked like last time there was the Winter Classic there. But I, I have concerns with all of these outdoor games with the way that the, the goaltenders look and, and, and the way that these games play out. I always tend to lean towards the over. It worked out in Lake Tahoe, I believe it was last year or two years ago. Works out in some of these stadium series games. And also, don't be surprised if this game is actually delayed and does not start on time because of the sun and because of the maybe the unfavorable ice conditions. So 2 o'clock Eastern time is when this game is supposed to start, AJ. But if the sun is really an issue, they might not start this thing on time. And they might delay it a little bit. So keep an eye on that and just have fun enjoying watching the game. Regardless of how you slice it, it's really cool to see. And it's going to be an incredible show uh, of what we have coming up here. Nationally televised game on TNT. Winter Classic Fenway Park coming up this afternoon. In the association tonight, handful of games. Listen, let's face it. It's a football day. We're gonna. Most people are going to be watching football. If you're not, okay, have fun. Uh, Suns plus one at the Knicks, Bulls plus four at my Cavaliers, Raptors <laughs> plus two and a half at the Pacers, Lakers uh, minus a half point at the Hornets. The game that I'm interested in, though, is Mavericks at Rockets. And you might be thinking, why? The Rockets stink, and they do stink. The Mavericks are seven-point favorites. On Saturday night, Luka put up 51 more points. That's a lot. In a 126-125 win against the Spurs, you may recall he had just put up 60 his last outing. This is three 50-point games in the last five outings for Luka. <laughs> he, has, he is the first player in the history of the NBA in a five-game span to have 250 points, 50 rebounds, and 50 assists. His prop for tonight's game... Mm-hmm. For Luca, points, rebounds, assists. 51. Juice to the over, minus 123. Points, rebounds, assists for Luca tonight. Over or under 51. Over. It's hard not to with what he's done. Points, 33 and a half. Under. Under. Oh, so that's, I mean, if you like under, well, that's interesting. Okay, well. He's going to have 28 points. Okay. 12 rebounds. Okay. So now we're at 40. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, am I giving him a triple-double? Yeah. I guess I'm giving him a triple-double. Damn. Okay. How about about 30 points, 14 rebounds, 9 assists? I think I'll just go (laughs) over on the points. Sure. I think over points is the way I would look. I'm no NBA expert, but boy. 250 points in the last five games. You're asking me for 34 against a crummy Rockets team? Yeah. Go get it, Luca. Go get yours. If you would like to purchase a play on any of the action coming up today, and there is a lot of action, go to pregame.com where all current members have a 23% discount sitting in their shopping cart, part of pregame's New Year's celebration. And for those of you that are not already members, well, you're missing out. So here's what you got to do. Go to pregame.com, join up, and as a new member, you get a free $25 to use on any package that 
you want. So, very simple. Sign up, takes a minute, and then you get a free 25 hours, go buy a best bet package. That's it. But also, when you become a pregame member, you unlock all the other promos and discounts. And if you are a current pregame member and you haven't used your 23% discount, maybe you just didn't know that it was in your shopping cart. You just looked on the website and you were like, ah, I don't feel like buying a pick or a package today. But go check out your shopping cart because all current pregame members have a 23% discount sitting in there if you haven't used it already as part of pregame's New Year's celebration. For AJ, I'm Scott. Happy healthy, safe New Year. Enjoy all the action today on New Year's Day, parentheses, observe. We are straight out of Vegas AF.